Queen Anne County Planning Commission meeting, Thursday, January 9th, 2020. Uh, we'll call the meeting to order. If you'd all please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Things that we are starting a new year, the Planning Commission votes uh, for an election of officers. At this time, I will open up to the panel for um, any nominations. Not the nominating yeah, committee. nominating committee. We have a nominating committee? Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, I'm a nominating committee of one. <laughs> uh, good morning and happy 2020. Self-appointed, what's that? <laughs> Yeah, this is a year of the uh, comprehensive plan. We're looking forward to it. And uh, I would also like to take a moment just to uh, welcome uh, a newest member of the Planning Commission, Mr. Ted Baker, down here on our left. And uh, he fills a seat that was vacated by uh, David Douglas, whose uh, term had expired uh, 12 31 19. Uh, I want to publicly thank David for his three years of service. Uh, he did a good job for us, and uh, we'll miss him. The uh, election of officers is required before we can proceed with the January 2020 agenda. And at this time, I would like to nominate the following. Uh, Mr. Jeff Reese as chairman, Sharon Dobson as vice chair, Tom Lee as secretary, and John Shelton as administrative liaison. Now, I've given him a new title, but uh, uh, I would just like to mention that uh, John does an excellent job of handling the details of the meetings and keeping the Planning Commission informed. So, John, we thank you for your, for your service and work. Okay, do I have a second? I second it. Okay, now I'd like to open up the nominations to the floor. Uh, do we have any nominations from the floor? Uh, Mr. Uh, Priest, I'd like to self-nominate myself to be considered by the commission for the uh, position of chairman. Second. Do you have a second for that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do I have a, a moment of, of, of time on the microphone, sir? Um, yes, you may. I'd just like to, uh, specifically for Mr. Baker and, and others that may not be aware of my background for their consideration uh, prior to the vote, um, I'm a 46-year resident of Queen Anne's County. I'm a public uh, product of the county public school system and went across the Chester River and attended college in Chestertown. I'm deeply embedded in the planning process, have been since 2010, uh, where I served as a Natural Resource Conservation and Protection Committee, one of the uh, citizens' committees. I've been a riverkeeper for the county waters, Chester, Y River, and Eastern Bay for uh, seven years professionally, where I advocated for the aquatic resource uh, protection of the county. Uh, I am soon to complete a county commissioner-appointed position on the um, Committee for Climate Resiliency and Planning and Financing, one of only three (coughs) non-county employees on the 10-person work group. Uh, Professionally, I'm currently a circuit rider for the county, uh, assisting it to reduce its stormwater loadings to the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, And as such, I 
work in an embedded fashion with the planning and zoning staff, Department of Public Works staff, Parks and Recreation staff. I believe I come prepared uh, to every meeting with constructive questions, criticisms, and commentary, and engage in respectful dialogue around all of our points. Um, I have actively participated uh, in many uh, staff technical advisory committee meetings throughout uh, my tenure here since uh, first being appointed to the commission in 2013. Um, I have served uh, this two years as secretary uh, and would like to uh, advance that position and take on a more leadership role in this group uh, and represent the county's interest with my skill set and my passion. I have skin in the game. I have two young children in the county school system, uh, and I have no plans of, of leaving Queen Anne's County, uh, God willing. Um, in summary, I'm very interested in uh, impre- increasing my uh, involvement, and um, I would indeed like to uh, respectfully request your um, the members of the committee's uh, commission's uh, support in advancing that uh, directive. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, okay. Well, let's. Uh, we have uh, two people running for the chairmanship, and I have ballots made up here. Ahead of time, because uh, and we will do this by paper ballot. Uh, circle, I've, I've uh, included Tom's name in there. So if you will, circle the, uh, the name of the person that you, you want to vote for. And uh, give it back to me, and then we'll make a... Oh, are we going to entertain any discussion of the nominations on the floor before I'm we do so, that? I'm Yeah, nomination on the floor will be closed. I'm sorry. Well, well but oh, there should be further discussion. Should be further discussion. Yeah, in oh, okay. case anybody would like to comment. Okay. Or, would you like to comment, Jeffrey? Or? No, Sheila. I think Sheila. you wanted to... I, I just... Um, I, I wanted to make a statement about process. I think this this planning commission, uh, this is the first time in my experience on the planning commission, I've been on twice, um, that there has been a contested election. Um, I think that's healthy. I, um, I think there are a number of capable people on this board, and I think Mr. Reese has done a fine job as a chairman, um, but he, he's had that role for a number of years now. Um, uh, I, I've, in my experience in life and also in my experience in work, I've, I've been associated with a number of boards, and it's not uncommon for boards who have a number of capable people who are interested in leadership to have a rotation. The Anne Arundel County Council, for example, by their own um, preference, rotates their chairmanship yearly among the members, usually of the prevailing party, but um, not always, but they, they do uh, rotate yearly. So does Howard County, where I worked for a number of years. So that is another way to look at chairmanship. In our case, the chair's role is simply to preside at the meeting. The chair doesn't have any extraordinary powers. His vote counts as one vote, or her vote uh, counts as one vote, same as everybody else's, and um, except for uh, perhaps limitations on debate that the um, uh, Robert's rules that we loosely observe, <laughs> um, which we really don't honor very much anyway. The chair's role is no different from anybody else's role. It's sort of an honorific role. And as long as there are capable people interested in doing it, I think 
um, I would like, because I would like this board to feel cohesive, even if the, our vote is divided, I would like to think that um, we might have a, uh, we might not be offended by um, competition for the chairmanship, or we might even adopt um, informally ourselves um, a sense that the chairmanship might rotate um, annually, that it's not a lifetime position, it's an annual position or something of that nature, as many bodies do. Um, so I just think, I, I, you know, none of us is comfortable to have a contested election, but um, I think that it's, it's something that we should feel honored that there are two people who want to serve and who are capable of serving. And um, I think I, I thank both of them for standing up and putting themselves before us. Thank you for your comments, uh, Ms. Tolliver. Uh, at this time, the nominations would be closed. Any additional comments? Uh, otherwise, we will proceed with a vote. Would you... Uh, Mark your ballots, please, and then pass them over to me, and I'll... ballot here is not marked for chairman. I don't know whose this was. Count that as an abstention now. Maybe it was an abstention, yeah. Maybe if there's a tie then. like we have uh, three votes for the original nomination list for Jeffrey, Jeff Reese as chairman and two for Tom Lee. And there was uh, the abstentions. There must have been two because I, I don't have uh, somebody else's ballot in here. But anyway, I've got mine too. So Jeff Reese is selected as chairman. I, I think, don't we need a for, do we need a majority of the board, which is four votes? This is a vote. Your ballot is a vote. I understand that, but three to two doesn't give a majority of the board. It gives a majority of the people who voted, but not a majority of the board. I'm just curious what our rule is. Council, can you help me on this? Uh, at the rules. When we vote on motions regarding projects, we require four votes in the affirmative, I believe. I see six pieces of paper there, Bob. Hmm? I see six pieces. No one voted on here. No one voted up here. We were supposed to circle the. I'm sorry, I, I miscounted one vote. There's, it's a four to two, and one abstention. 
So where do we go from here, Council? Hi. One, two. How many people? Got if you have four here. votes, that's oh, the have, best majority of the board. The board has seven members. No. We have four. Okay, Section 8A. One abstention and four votes. Yeah. At any four. meeting, the presence of at least four commission members will constitute a quorum. <coughs> B. <coughs> Unless a greater number is required by law or by these rules, the majority of the members present eligible to vote on a matter will be sufficient to take any action with respect to that matter. Four. No, we have, we have. The majority of the members I present have, would be four. four. I have four votes here, so, and one abstention. Two for Tom Lee. So it looks like uh, uh, Jeffrey Reese is our new chairman, and Sharon is uh, vice chairman, and uh, Tom Lee would, said that he would uh, accept the secretary's position again, and John, John Shelton as uh, the administrative liaison. Mr. Priest, uh, respectfully, sir, um, I'd like to self-nominate for the vice chair position. I think we, I thought we just voted for the chairman position. No, this, we're voting for the entire group of positions. You want to go? Ballot only had one list of names, the chairman's name, didn't it? Well, I, I, sir, I was under the impression we were voting for chairperson. I nominated originally the... A list of five people, or four people, uh, for the officer position. And I've also called the nominations were closed after the, uh, no one else spoke up. You made the nomination. I believe, sir, that we were voting solely on the chairman position at that last round. That's not the way that I expressed it. I, don't, I said that I had a chair, uh, the ballot was listed everyone and to circle the people who were well, how then would I be able to run for two offices? Should do you follow me? But I, I self-nominated, I withdrew my, you know, by by self-nominating for chair. I've withdrawn as secretary. Well, if you want to go through the same process again, we can. I, that 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 was my understanding of we were voting for well, one office we, at that last. Well, vote. Why don't we? Uh, Amend the. I I have to agree. I have to agree with you. It would amend and go down. Vote each other. Amend and let us vote, and uh, we'll add uh, uh, Tom Lee's to a vice chairman. And with that situation, we have Sharon Dobson has been nominated, and Tom Lee. And uh, any further discussion? Well, I, I there, believe there's a second to that. I'm so, sorry. Uh, yeah, we have. Yes. I have a second to Tom Lee's nomination. Second. Okay, there's been he's been nominated and seconded. Uh, let's call just for a uh, hand vote here now. Uh, Could you just pass the ballots back, and we could write it, write the vice chair on a ballot. Well, we could do that. That's let's uh, let's just do a voice vote because he, well, he's already been. Well, we, we've started paper. I think we should remain consistent. Okay. Um, it, just fine. in my opinion, John, is there any way you can get us seven pieces of paper, seven individuals, so we can just write a name and pass them across? 
white sheets of paper. We can use the back. Uh, these or we yeah, use we, the we back. Didn't, we didn't yeah, we'll just use write the our back. names on those, so it okay. doesn't matter if we get our own or not. Mm-hmm. That's open, so you can do that. Yeah, my own. That's good. <laughs> Just right on the back side of it. Somebody must not have one. There's an extra one here. Did everyone get one? Yeah, I think we had, we had an extra one. There's nothing that I had, but yeah. one, we're just going to write this on the back. Yeah, right on the back. Or is that an uncontested? <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out in a minute. Okay, uh, here again we have a four to two vote in favor of uh, of Sharon Dobson as vice chair. Okay, the, any other nominations from the floor? Vice chair. Or, no, now we're going for secretary. We're going for secretary. We've already, I thought we already voted in. Just being clear about that's all. As Tom for secretary. So I would call for the nominations to be closed. And uh, our elected officers are Jeff Reese as chairman and Sharon Dobson as vice chairman. Tom Lee as secretary and John Shelton as uh, administrative liaison. I think we should probably vote on John. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you all. Appreciate that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. And um, before we get started with the rest of our agenda, Sheila, thank you for your comments. And I think that's something that um, we should really consider and look at uh, as a rotating uh, process. I like that idea. I think there's a lot of merit to that. Thank you for your support, and thank you for everyone on the board for your support. And um, I look forward to another prosperous new year uh, with us leading the county and providing our commissioners uh, with good direction in the comp plan uh, and even Mike Wisnowski. <laughs> Let me ask a question. Tom, are, are, you, are you serving as uh, uh, the uh, liaison for the uh, comprehensive plan from the board? Are you, are, were you, were you, we haven't. Oh, you haven't done. We that haven't yet. done okay. any of that yet. So, so um, Mr. Chairman. Yes, ma'am. Uh, before we move on to our regular business, um, I, I want to join um, Mr. Priest in welcoming our new member. And his appointment um, raised a question in my mind. I noticed his appointments for four years, as, as are, apparently all of us are for four years. And I noticed that the state law that created this body calls for appointments to be five years. I just wonder if our attorney... They are five 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 years. years. Mine's five years. I thought it was four. Actually, three years. Well, sometimes people are appointed to unexpired terms. If you get get appointed to a... I thought I looked online at the um, duration and it was four years, but maybe I'm mistaken. Well, they... 
they were supposed to definitely make sure his was five years because that did come up into a discussion. And the from the county commissioner's office. Uh-huh. Taking care of that, so. John, well, we, we, we need same. an up updated roster. I will email uh, that to you. Because on this, it shows three years. <laughs> that's another. That's what I thought we were doing. Yeah, three years. And that's what uh, Dave Douglas served. He served three years. Yeah. Okay. He may have been appointed to an unexpired term that was five no, years he long was, and uh, was just well, in the I last three years that. of it. They are supposed to be five years. But a full term would be five, no, five. five years. And you just got reappointed. What did it say? Four years. I thought official letter yet. I just looked online just out of curiosity, and it looked to me like they were four years unless I miscounted. Five years. I didn't see anything in the state law that gives the county um, the authority to change this. Well, differ Mr. from the, whatever the state laws. Let Mr. Shelton uh, and check on everybody's research this and, and find out. I think out everybody exactly. is. Thank you for that keen eye. Sheila. All right. As we move forward, are there any public comments? With the public comment, please identify yourself and where you're from, as we may not know you. Good morning, Mr. Falstead. Good morning. Mr. Pesty. Yes, please. Good morning, everyone. Jay Falstead, Executive Director of Queen Anne's Conservation Association. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody, and thanks for the opportunity to speak. Back in the November hearing on Four Seasons, um, the applicant made a comment, which I wanted to bring to everybody's attention. Uh, I think Commissioner Lee uh, raised the issue on native plants and trees on the project. And the applicant said that... um, they were planting plantings on, on the project, but not everything was native, and that there wasn't sufficient inventory. Um, that was a flat-out lie. Um, following that hearing, I went and called every regional nursery in the area to ask about inventory of native uh, shrubbery and trees, and all of them commented that they have sufficient stock in their inventories and are uh, providing that stock to other developers around the area. And so I I wanted to point that out uh, to you. The reason that this becomes important is after that, I contacted uh, Professor Talamy at the University of Delaware. He's the professor of um, at Department of Entomology and Wildlife Ecology. And he stresses the need to be planting native uh, species, trees, and plants for local biodiversity. And he says that a lot of the ornamental plants that we use, um, such as, uh, let's see, crepe myrtles, uh, burning bush, ginkgos, they provide no native uh, species habitat at all. And in a lot of ways can be destructive to the local ecology. So in any case, I know this is probably not anything that you can do right now, but um, I hope you'll consider it on future projects. It it may require a legislative fix at some point, but I hope at the very least we can emphasize the importance that when we have these large development projects that we encourage the developer to plant native species, uh, trees, and shrubbery on their projects uh, for the benefit of the local ecology. So thanks very much. Thank you, sir. 
Shouldn't shouldn't this come from uh, staff when you're? Let's hear from you, Mr. Mike. morning. Happy New Year, everyone. For the record, Mike Wisnowski, Director of Planning and Zoning. I have two comments. Um, one, for us to require a developer to plant or propose um, a plant palette that is 100% native to the Eastern Shore would require an amendment to our zoning ordinance. So that would be a legislative fix. Now I'm going to give you my opinion. As a former practicing landscape architect, uh, there's more to choosing plant material than just uh, making it all, all native. There's a design component and element to um, landscape, architecture, and design. We've always encouraged uh, indigenous Eastern Shore native plant material in our projects. We do not permit invasive species, and by that, uh, those plants are plants that are not native and seem to take over the landscape, and we prohibit that as a policy. Uh, there's, there's two issues when, if we were going to choose to go to a 100% uh, native palette. That is uh, interest. Uh, by and large, native species don't have the same interest from a design perspective that some other plant material has. And we... I am all about endorsing a predominant number of native species. However, I think there needs to be flexibility in design as a landscape architect to use non-native plant material as accent plants. I think that's important to the environ. I think it's important to the landscape. I think it's important to how developments um, are constructed and how they are appreciated by the public. My second comment has to do with availability. And I understand that Mr. Falstead has contacted Eastern Shore Nurseries and there is availability. But that is, a, that is a fluctuating situation. One year you may have availability, the next year you may not. We researched this when we were doing the landscape requirements for utility solar projects. And initially we wanted 100% native species. However, the industry, and by the industry I mean the landscape architects that were hired as consultants to do the massive landscape plantings for our solar projects, indicated to us that there was not the availability uh, to have all of that landscape buffer native species. And so what we did in, in our solar provision of the landscape requirements is we required 50% of the landscaping to be native indigenous plant material and, and allowed 50% to be not native to the eastern shore. Um, I, I think that's a proper approach. I think if it's your interest to move more towards native species, maybe we increase that requirement, uh, that percentage. But I'm totally against making it 100% native eastern shore species. I think we'll run into availability issues. But more importantly, um, there, there is a design component to landscape architecture. And to allow that landscape architect to use plant material to create an enhanced design, I think they need that flexibility. And I, I know... I'm skewing the cue here. I'm speaking as a landscape architect, but uh, I think it's important. I, I think it's important to allow that flexibility in allowing some non-native plant material. 
Got to admit, crepe myrtles aren't a bad-looking plant. <laughs> I'm partial to crepe myrtles. So. <laughs> That's certainly something we could look at if you'd like us to. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Are there any other public comments? Hearing none, public commentary is closed. We'll do the meeting minutes and review for December 12, 2019. Move approval of the minutes. I have a motion. December 12, 2019. Second. I have a motion and a second. Any discussion at this time? Hearing none, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none, minutes are passed unanimously. There are no extension requests this month. Uh, we'll move on to updates, legislation, and legal matters. Mr. Wisnowski or Ms. Murdoch? Happy New Year, and um, congratulations, and welcome back to the elected officers and to the entire board. We look forward to working with you again this year, especially I look forward to working with you to update the comprehensive plan, which we'll talk about at the end of the meeting. Um, in terms of legislative updates, uh, I can just let you know that the urban commercial, the use slash tenant space special uh, exception has been introduced, and the public hearing on that text amendment will be held on the 14th of January, next week. That's, That's the one for the, for the um, size allocation? Yes. The expansion of existing <coughs> spaces. Of exactly. existing non-conforming, yes. yes. Right. <laughs> and is that... That's uh, with the commissioners. Is that a 7 p.m. or 6 p.m.? I will check on that. I'm not sure the time. I'll check on that and report back at the end of the meeting when we give our comp plan update. Perfect. Thank you. Next on the agenda is concept plan SP. One nine zero nine zero zero three five Ingleside Mine Phase Two Bridge Town Development. Rob Gunter. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a public hearing. And Mr. Chairman, the following notice of public hearing Thank appeared you. in the Record Observer on December 27th of last year, and again on January 3rd of this year. The notice of public hearing is as follows: The Planning Commission for Queen Anne's County hereby gives notice pursuant to uh, the County Code. Uh, chapter uh, 18195 e2 that will hold a public hearing concerning a conditional use application for proposed 40 I'm sorry 52.6 acre expansion of the existing sand and gravel major extraction operation located on the east side of Bridgetown Road south of the intersection with Row Ingleside Road in Ingleside Maryland it's a the property is shown on tax map 31 is parcel 37 the application was submitted by the petitioner Bridgetown Development Company LLC Petitioner's proposal is made under the procedures of Chapter 18, Article uh, 17 of the County Code. The note, take notice that the application shall be considered by the Planning Commission and public hearing on Thursday, January 9, 2020, at 9 a.m. It's now 9.17 a.m. in the conference room here at the uh, um, Department of Planning and Zoning's building in Centerville. The Planning Commission will receive testimony for or against the application. Following the public hearing, 
Planning Commission, Planning Commission will make recommendations regarding the proposal to the Queen Anne's County Board of Appeals. The uh, notice goes on to say that this is an open meeting, but upon compliance with the Open Meetings Act, a part or all of the meeting may I'm not sure that's right, but a part or all of the meeting may be conducted in closed session. I'm not sure we can do all of the meeting in closed session. Notice of the meeting uh, or any closed session relating thereto will be posted in the lobby of the Department of Planning and Zoning here in Centerville. The entire petition as well as the development site plan for the subject property and other re relevant material is available for review at the Department's offices during regular business hours. The notice of public hearing concludes by indicating that this hearing site is accessible to those with disabilities and gives instructions mm -hmm for those with hearing uh, impairments is how he or she may acquire assistive listening devices. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'm satisfied that the notice of procedural prerequisites to the uh, convening of this public hearing have been met. <clears throat> Thank you, sir. This time we'll call up uh, Mr. Gunter and Lane Engineering, or the applicant himself. Everybody. Happy New Year, Commission. Um, Happy New Year, everybody. Rob Gunter, Department of Planning and Zoning. As mentioned, we're here for Bridgetown Development and their proposal for Phase 2 of Ingleside Mine. Um, currently, they are proposing uh, Phase 2, which is approximately 52 acres, um, limit of disturbance expansion, of which 43.975 is an expansion to the existing pit itself. Uh, today, they're requesting concept plan approval and favorable recommendation to the Board of Appeals. It's a general location map showing where we are um, roughly within the county. Aerial view, um, as noted by Mr. Drummond, tax map 31, parcel 37. The entire parcel totals 122.85 acres, um, just south of Ingleside at the intersection of Row Ingleside Road and Bridgetown Road. Property is zoned agriculture, and major extraction in the ag district is a conditional use. So this is a 2018 aerial from Google, um, phase one. Um, it had an annual site inspection in 2019, September, from one of our zoning inspectors. Um, there's a letter included in your packet. He notes that the operation is in compliance and has no outstanding violations and all conditions of the Board of Appeals uh, conditional use have been met at this time. So you'll notice there's a difference in aerial, and one is taken from ours, and one is taken from Google. We are currently getting updated aerials. But this is existing conditions with the site plan laid out over top. And you can see this is phase one. Limited disturbance is 56.93 acres. The approved pit area will be 50 acres when completed. Um, as you can see, it's not quite complete. They still have a little bit of room here and down here. And that's important to note because it, seemingly they're just about complete, which is why they want to expand to phase two. It's not necessarily an intensification of the mine itself. They're still proposing the same truck traffic, which is uh, 38 trucks, I believe, per day. That's not proposed to increase. They're just running out of material and need more. Um, they currently have 653 square feet of floor area and a little bit more than four acres of impervious surface. Uh, these are existing 
Buffer pictures, so the bottom right, you can see the entrance, both sides of the entranceway have a Berman buffer. This is south of the entrance along Bridgetown Road. This continues down Bridgetown Road, and this turns back up the back side of the property. So moving forward, this was, you can see here, this is that buffer. The buffer will be expanded to surround the property um, should this be approved. Phase 2's limit of disturbance, as I mentioned, is 52.646 acres with a mining area of 43.975. All of that will occur to the right of this red line, which is the limit of disturbance uh, for Phase 1. The office, wash plant, haul roads are to remain where they are. No expansion backwards. You can see there's a stream and stream buffer here and a wetland and woodlands here. There's no proposed disturbance. They are staying out of both of those, including the buffers. The applicant submitted a sound study, which was done on May 2nd, 2018, by Vibratech, which concluded that they did not exceed the limits of sound for daytime or nighttime at the property lines, as required by the state of Maryland. So, as I mentioned, 38 truck trips per day. Um, they propose to continue that. They have an approved haul route, which is shown here in dark black. Um, They're going to continue this approved haul route. The rest of this map um, indicates road improvements that have been done. Um, the Department of Public Works requested road improvements of Bridgetown and Carter Road with phase one of this development. And in 2000, which was done in 2015, phase one was approved then. Um, in 2018, the applicant came back and expanded their hours of operation. Um, and with that, additional road improvements um, were required by DBW. Um, those have been completed as well. We do have Department of Public Works here, um, should you have any questions about these road improvements, and they are prepared to speak on them. And at the end, so this is the proposed um, finalized plan. So at the end, the pond will total approximately 94 acres, and there are two potential home sites, one being here where the, all the activity, the wash plant and everything occurs, and one would be out here. If you have any questions for me, I'd be happy to answer. If not, the applicant has a PowerPoint that I will pull up, and we can go through that. Uh, I have a question for you. Sorry. On the road improvements, when this thing was originally uh, approved several couple of years ago here, there was a lot of discussion about who maintains uh, or the funding is going to come from to maintain the roads. Is, uh, can you can you brief, me, brief us on that? I have somebody who can. I defer to Matt from DPW or Lee, either or, who wants to come up. Lee, you have more history? I do. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to get out of the way there. Just get a microphone. Make sure you have a microphone. Oh, I didn't know there was another chair. All right. 
Morning, uh, Lee Edgar with the Department of Public Works. On the uh, with regard to uh, this sand and gravel operation, uh, as is common for applications such as these, uh, Public Works has required certain improvements to county roads that are part of the haul route that uh, are not adequate to support the truck traffic associated with the hauling of the materials. In this case. During the original, uh, when the original application came in, um, as you can see on the exhibits there, uh, the applicant was required to improve the frontage of his property from his entrance to Roe Ingleside Road, improving that to a county type two standard, uh, full width, asphalt and such. Previously it was just tar and chip. Additionally, because his haul route includes Carter Road, taking him to uh, State Route uh, 19, he was obligated <coughs> to... Carter Road is a very typical county tar and chip road, minimum width. Uh, it's, it's, it's an old road that probably has oyster shell base and uh, many decades worth of tar and chip generally is, is not adequate to support the substantial loads exerted by the truck traffic, particularly where you find turning or braking movements. So as a result, uh, Public Works felt that it would be an appropriate compromise for the developer to pay for improvements to the road, which was already in need of some maintenance, in areas where we would anticipate that there would be substantial distress due to the uh, truck movements, primarily at the curve there on Carter Road and where he would be braking coming up on Maryland Route 19. So when the operation first started with that Phase 1, uh, the applicant um, made uh, the improvements that were required Within a year or so, we found that, and as expected, Carter Road was not holding up very well to the traffic. Uh, we had uh, approached the developer about voluntarily contributing additional monies to that repair, uh, to which he kindly agreed to do so, and we did a full reconstruction of the road, and the uh, applicant shared in that cost. <coughs> Uh, with regard to these situations, it's a, it's a county public road. As a result, every, every member of the public or business has a right to use that road. We do recognize when applications such as this come in for conditional use, the, the nature of their business does put an uh, added burden on the road that the typical motorist would not. Accordingly, we uh, ask that they contribute to improving the road to... Uh, hold up better. And that's what's occurred in this case. Uh, in general, uh, Carter Road, the improvements we put in there are, are working pretty well. There are some areas that are distressed somewhat, and the County Roads Division does work on improving those as, as need be. Any questions specifically with regard to roads or obligations or the work performed? I guess uh, future work, or uh, future, you're going you're gonna, to, how much, what percentage of increase are you going to, uh, on the haul road now with the new, if, you, if this is approved? Same number of trucks we heard. Yeah, how many number of trucks uh, percentage? I still say the same rate. Same rate? 
Okay. Yeah, I, it's a I would. Period of time. <coughs> I wouldn't. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I would anticipate that the traffic would be approximately the same as what we've seen with okay, the phase well, yeah, one, of, approximately equal size. Right. Yeah, but it's a longer period of time, correct? It, it may be, but also the road has been well, improved. Well, phase one somewhat. would be finished, and if phase two didn't get approved, um, time would be done and it would be over with. That's correct. Now that phase two gets approved, it's a longer period of time of the wear and tear. Correct. Okay. 38 trucks means 76 trips, right? Yes. It's the trip going out that we're really concerned with the... Right. Because they come in unloaded. Right. I think it's someone wants to... Yeah, with when I mentioned the additional work that uh, we'd approached the developer about voluntarily participating in that, we, we, the Roads Division, recognized that we needed to do, due to the failing nature of the road for safety concerns and such, that it needed substantial work uh, in the areas that had not previously been improved. Uh, we approached Mr. Gothrop about uh, partnering in that work, which he did. He uh, shared in the cost, I believe it was about 50-50. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But for Carter Road, uh, the entire northbound lane, that would be the lane that would be handling the loaded trucks, that was reconstructed or strengthened with soil cement where the existing pavement was taken off and they, they infuse a, a cement, literally cement, liquefied cement, into the base to strengthen the existing base, and then the entire road was overlaid with asphalt. So th that's not the county's type two standard where we do a full depth reclamation and, and reconstruction. It's, a, it's more of a substantial repair uh, and one that, that we do use in, in various places around the county, and it's held up pretty well in, in most areas. In some areas, it will require some more work, and the Roads Division will be obligated to do that work on an as-needed basis. So you treated the aggregate or the sub-base? It was the sub-base. Okay. Cement treated or? Cement. Cement Correct. treated, yeah. And they volunteered, just volunteered to pay for half of it? That's right. We approached them and said, hey, you know, the, the portions of the road that you repaired at the very beginning of this project, did, you did what we asked you to do. They're holding up well. The remainder of the road is not. The county is going to have to assume this cost. Are you willing to contribute to this? And he did not hesitate to agree to splitting the cost with us. We felt that was, uh, it was very welcomed and, and very appropriate. While well, Mr. Edgar is here, I had a question about the uh, the staff report mentions that the stormwater management there was plan there was an addendum that was under review. I'm wondering if DPW has completed that review and and what you found. I believe so. I would defer to our engineer Matt Lucas, who's been doing the review on it. I, I would ex I would anticipate that to be the case. The review's been completed. And, and it's everything's in order, and yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Gentlemen.
Good morning, board members. Uh, my name is Charles Shaler with Baker Donaldson. I'm here on behalf of Bridgetown Development Company. I certainly won't repeat, and uh, Happy New Year to you. I think Rob did a great job with the PowerPoint. Uh, with me is Jim, Jim Gothrop from Bridgetown and, and Sean Callahan from Lane Engineering. Uh, Obviously, the property zoning hasn't changed. It's an ag, and this is a conditional use before you. Uh, we've been operating on the site now for several years and working well with the county. Uh, we've also worked with the Queen Anne's County Conservation Association and met with the staff, and I think it's been a very good partnership. Uh, benefits both us and the county and the citizens of the county, um, and so Without wasting any time, I'm going to pass it over to Jim, and we're here for questions. Happy New Year. Happy New, New Year. Year. Um, <clears throat> so before you see our entrance, uh, that's the sign at our entrance. Um, uh, we go under the name of Eastern Shore Sand and Gravel, uh, owned by Bridgetown Development. Next slide. Um, a lot of these slides are going to be similar to the ones that you've already seen. Rob did a great job on <laughs> covering pretty much everything. Uh, that's our haul route on Carter Road uh, that we just discussed. Next. This is an aerial. Um, this was taken um, the beginning of last year, so it's, it's not our current um, um, excavation area. We have proceeded to the top of the screen uh, we're working our way, as, as Rob had in his uh, uh, graphic, to show that there, there is a strip of land yet to, to mine on the northern part, but we are to the extents of the property uh, soon. So that's why we are requesting uh, the phase two uh, approval, which would be to the left on this screen. Um, as he commented, we would continue that berm with the trees on it, around the perimeter of the, of the property. As you can see right now, it does not have any trees uh, along the perimeter. So we would continue that. Uh, it'd be a seven or eight foot high berm with uh, two rows of trees planted on them uh, per our, our landscape plan. Um, next, next slide. Um, this, this is uh, what Rob really's already gone through. Um, uh, one, one thing he didn't mention is that we do have a host agreement with the county where we provide 500 tons of free material to the county each year, uh, and they have been taking us up on that. Um, um, and so that's, that's working well. Um, the rest of this really was, was gone over already, so we can move on. This is just a picture of uh, Carter Road um, on, on the north end. Uh, you can see it's been paved recently and is holding up uh, quite well. What uh, Mr. Edgar was referring to was the, the lane on the right is the lane that had the soil cement placed. Um, that soil cement gave, gives that road the structure to, uh, to handle the, the loads, the, the uh, gross vehicle weight of those loaded trucks that are leaving our site. Um, so we feel that that's a, a, a great um, improvement to the road for, for many years. Uh, our entrance with the improvements. Um, this is a, another another view of uh, of the berm. Um, the berms that we are proposing would look similar to this. Uh, this has been in place for uh, almost four years now, so the trees are, are growing up nicely, and uh, we will maintain them. Uh, this is our scale house. Uh, 
with a paved area around it. Um, we take pride in our cleanliness. Um, we do have a sweeper truck that comes uh, at least once a week as needed basis uh, to make sure that there is no carryout on, on the uh, public roads. Uh, we do have uh, significant paved areas internal to our property so that the trucks have a chance to uh, 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 <laughs> drop, I guess, any, any uh, uh, sand particles that may be uh, uh, on their tires or so forth. Uh, we feel, in, in our experience, we have other plants uh, in Cecil County that this is the best way. Has anybody mentioned that, measured the height of that pile? Yes, when uh, when um, Mr. Pippin was, yes, it's below 35 feet, sir. Joe Joe Pippin, zoning inspector, went out there. They had drone floated, so I, I asked him. Perspective of that photograph, it sure looks like it it's more than 35 feet. I drove by it prior to this hearing a month ago, and uh, I mentioned something to Mr. Gothrop and Joe, and had them confirm the pile height. What is the height of it? That's 35-ish feet. It's permitted to be 45. Okay, next slide. <clears throat> this is the plan operation. Um, what we're doing is, is we're washing sand and gravel. Um, so we, have a, uh, we use water to, to process the material, um, to, to wash the clay out of the sands and the gravels. And then we stockpile the materials, let them dry, and then the customers or our trucks pick up the material and take it to the, the finished uh, desired location. Here's an area that you can see that we have uh, reclaimed and planted uh, grasses and so forth along the water's edge. So as we mine, we will continue to do this. So this would give you a, a kind of an indication of what it would look like when we're complete. We've pretty much covered, covered all, the, uh, all of our requests. And our, our um, sound information, um, we did have Vibratech, as, as uh, Rob uh, discussed, uh, come out, and, and they did measure the decibels at our property lines. We are not changing the size of the dredge um, or the size of the plant, so uh, we expect no change in that area. Here's a picture of the dredge. You can see it's down on the water, which is uh, approximately 12 to 13 feet below the surface of the of the farmland, so uh, that assists in um, masking the sound of the uh, of the dredge. It's a diesel engine, um, but because it's lower in the ground and we have a berm around the property, it's uh, barely uh, able to be heard. This just gives you a quick uh, uh, diagram of uh, how far houses are from the property. And that's it. Any questions? Oh, yes. I have a couple of questions. Um, one on attachment C of your proposal. You, this, um, you list your licenses. And um, one of them is... Um, Appears to be expired. Yes, that's our mining permit. Uh -huh. That's an annual permit that we renew every year. So at the time of this, I didn't have the new one 
but I do have a new one now. You have a current one, yes. license. Yes. Okay. The uh, paperwork looked like it was dead. Right. <laughs> right. Um, also, with respect to the noise, um, I know you're using your sound report from a couple of years ago when you came to us before. Uh, does the new excavation area put your equipment uh, in closer proximity to those property lines so that the noise, the point at which you, from which you measured the noise, is, does that change so that it's in closer proximity to um, other properties in this new phase of development? The new phase puts us closer to that one house, uh, the 750 feet from that house. But remember, the sound survey uh, information was gained from the property line. So we are within the state regulations at the property line. Assuming that your equipment stays in the same place. No, as the equipment moves. Including when the equipment moves to to the boundaries of your new... Development is still going to be that sound, original sound survey is still yes, going to correct. apply. Okay, that was my that was what I wanted to verify. So, thank you. Are there any other questions of the commission to the applicant? How long will this phase last? Basically, for your um, in the depending on economy and and that that kind of thing, but estimate uh, fifteen to nineteen years. It's safe to say none of us will be on this commission then. We'll come back to our phase three. <laughs> Mr. Gother, if I have a question uh, about their landscaping buffer, we've had numerous discussions, and, and yours looks very attractive and, and well established. Um, just for you know, for future and, and, and other projects that this commission hears and decides upon. What was your um, maintenance of effort to, to establish those trees? Did you have a lot of failures? Did you use watering trucks or <clears throat> irrigation systems? We had to install an irrigation system um, pretty much that first year, uh, 2016. Um, all the plantings were done, and uh, that's probably the hardest year on, on transplants. And uh, we noticed some, some dying off. So we put an, an irrigation, drip irrigation system you may be familiar with. Sure. Uh, out of the pit or out of yes, the Yes, out of the pit. We had, a, we had a gas pump that, that we would fire up once a week and let it water the trees. Um, and uh, currently we're not having to do that. So once, once they got established. So you don't, no longer need to irrigate that first year or two maybe? Right, and right. You, it's any just guesstimate on how many trees you had to replace as a result of that? It wasn't as bad as you would think. I mean, there were a lot of trees. I can't remember the whole number, but but I bet you it was maybe 20, 20 trees. Oh, which, 20 trees out of yeah. several hundred, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> must remember that when the solar guys come back. It, well, that's precisely <laughs> what I'm asking. <laughs> it's, I sense that question. <laughs> and, it's, and it's very expensive. I, I, sure. You know, but, but it's, it's either that or else replace the trees, and <laughs> that wasn't an option. But we've, we've obviously gone back and forth uh, with, with the department staff on – you know, watering trucks or irrigation, and we right. leave it up to them, and it's essentially a financial decision on their part, but right. we require it. But th- th- there is obviously guidance that is likely going to be asked by those applicants as to what is more economical from our standpoint, and we're requiring it, so it's, cur- it's a curiosity, and, and we obviously want to see that the health and vibrancy of those buffers maintained. Um, it's awfully convenient that you have, a, obviously, a stable watering source. Yeah, there. right. Right. <laughs> We thought, we thought the water truck. Solar, you know, we, we have we have water trucks, so we could have used a water truck, but the time 
that it would take. And, and then you also have the question of how thorough, you know, somebody going along watering trees, you know, mines on other things. So you have just drip irrigation, just hoses on the ground that... It's, well, it's just one hose, but it goes to all the trees. And then, the, and then you know, there's a pinhole or something that simply exactly. slowly waters the trees. Yeah, right? it worked out great. Yeah, thank you. How old are the trees now? They're like four, three or four years old? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was 2016, so we've probably finished landscaping in, in the middle of the year. So. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Source? Are there any other questions of the applicant? Hearing none, I will entertain a... Oh, pu- is there any public comment? Thank you. <clears throat> Please identify yourself and where you're from for the record, sir. Good morning once again. Jay Falstead from Queen Anne's Conservation Association. And um, I just wanted to give a little bit of background uh, since we were mentioned in the early part of the testimony. Over a lot of years, Queen Anne's Conservation has typically been, um, or we have opposed sand and gravel mines because of the um, destruction uh, of the environment and a lot of times the impact to the surrounding houses. Um, however, on this one, uh, Mr. Schmitz, who was uh, Mr. Gothrop's predecessor, uh, very early on he and I had a, a conversation um, about this particular site, uh, we had, I think, three or four meetings, and then I've since had one with Mr. Gothrop. And what's unique about this uh, proposal is we were able to enter into an agreement whereby uh, York has agreed, to, or and Bridgetown, <clears throat> put the entire parcel into a, par- a conservation easement once they're completed. And that was important to us uh, because there are woodlands on the area. Uh, There were, I think, some additional housing lots that they could have taken advantage of but opted not to. And from an environmental standpoint, while you see these pictures and it looks like a moonscape, uh, if you have to have them, this is a a good location to have it because the impact is minimal to nearby neighbors. And York has done everything that they said that they were going to do from an environmental standpoint. And so um, I visited the site myself, and um, based on what they're doing on the surrounding area, uh, they are keeping the environment in mind. And obviously that's important to uh, us as a conservation organization. So I just wanted to add that for the record that of all the sand and gravel mines that I've seen, these guys have been doing it right. Uh, our initial concerns were born out of a lot of bad experiences, some of which this board might be familiar with uh, going back a number of years. But anyway, with that, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Falstaff. That was, a, that was the first time I've heard a good positive comment come out of your mouth. <laughs> you haven't been around long enough. <laughs> One last question, if I may, of the applicant. is Speaking of wildlife and interactions with your type of facility, I'm imagining that because of the nature of your business, trucks and it, and dredge and diesel and noise and and and, and human uh, activities. Do you see a lot of wildlife use while you're in operation, or is it obviously likely on the back end once the you know once the, the pond is reclaimed or operations are diminished? We see a lot of geese and ducks, whether it's migratory or not. They're they're coming and going all all the time. They use the the water uh, facilities. There's also deer on the property. There's a woodland to the north, and 
we see deer walking across all the time. So. Interesting. Do you, any do, do deer get into the pond, and is that an issue? No, they they are smart enough to stay away from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there any other public comment? Hearing none, public comment is now closed. At this time, uh, if there's no other questions of the applicant, I will entertain the, the uh, a motion. Before the board makes a motion, I'd just like to remind you that um, they're seeking concept plan approval and a favorable recommendation. Um, the, the motion language for the recommendation is in the staff report. Um, I forgot the, the language for the concept plan, so I included that supplemental sheet at your desk prior to the meeting this morning. The concept plan should probably be accepted first before we make the motion to the exactly. Board of Appeals. So I will entertain the motion for uh, concept plan at this time. I'll make the motion. For concept plan, resolve that the Planning Commission, regarding the request by Bridgetown Development Company, LLC, for expansion to an existing major sand and gravel mining operation, near Ingleside, and as more particularly described in Department of Planning and Zoning File, SP-1909-35, hereby fines. With the proper controls, yep. I didn't know it was going to be this long. Well, those are the ones who were the oh, it's for the BZA, or the Board okay. of Appeals. So. Here's a short one. Right here. Um, a favorable recommendation to the Board of Appeals under That's Section... second motion. Wait a minute, right. Concept plan approval first. Oh, second. We, we, we don't have a motion that's viable concept yet. Concept plan approval. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Hearing none, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none. Concept plan uh, has been approved. Resolved that the planning. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. The second. Um, resolved that the planning commission regarding the request for Bridgetown Development Company LLC for expansion to an existing major sandy gravel mining operation nearby near Ingleside, and as more particularly described in Department of Planning and Zoning File SP 19-09. Double at 35, hereby finds and forwards a favorable recommendation to the Board of Appeals under Section 18-1-14.C, parenthesis 7, and 18-1-95E with the following conditions to be addressed. Possible conditions. Proper controls and methods are maintained to minimize truck mud traffic tracking or dust plumes in dry times with wind drift suppression. <coughs> Two, the facilities continue to be adequately designed and maintained to free dirt and debris from the wheels and undercarriage of trucks prior to entering Bridgetown Road. Three, a state order appropriations permit is maintained from the Department, Maryland Department of the Environment. Four, all soil conservation district approvals are maintained. Five, all stormwater management plans are approved by the Queen Anne's County Department of Public Works. Six, the hours of operation will be consistent with the approval of conditional use 
case number CU-1805-16, any changes require additional approvals. Seven, all landscaping required shall be maintained to assure plantings remain alive and healthy during the operation period. The applicant provides a cash surety bond for all landscaping. Eight, haul trucks shall adhere to the approved haul route as discussed and presented. Nine, the proposed height of the storage piles not to exceed 45 feet. Ten, the applicant submits as-built updates to the board, to the BOA and Department of Planning and Zoning when it's scheduled to be, be determined by the BOA and agreed to an annual inspection. Eleven, all state permits are in place prior to final permitting by Queen Anne's County. Twelve, the site access road surface shall continue to be maintained to support the imposed loads of fire apparatus and shall be provided with an all-weather driving surface. Thirteen, all legal documents are reviewed and approved by the Planning Commission attorney. Fourteen, any changes to the end-use plan must return to the Planning Commission for a recommendation to the Board of Appeals for an amendment to the conditional use. Fifteen, any and all financial sureties for reclamation, landscaping, storm water management, and enforcement are in place before final permits are granted. Sixteen, there should be no truck parking on Bridgetown Road, no stacking or parking outside of the gate, no jake brakes, and no tailgate slamming either on site or on the public road. The applicant shall post a sign with a notice regarding these restrictions. Seventeen, any requirements by the Queen Anne's County Roads Department are satisfactorily addressed. Eighteen, any outstanding documentation or comments stemming from agency reviews are addressed prior to the Board of Appeals hearing. Second. I have a motion and a second. Um, I would like to go ahead, Sheila. I, I would like to propose some amendments or an amendment. Uh, okay, as would I, but please. <laughs> okay. Um, I, th I think we should add some findings, and these would be some findings that I would suggest we add. Um, in the proposal that was just read, it would be after hereby fines. One, the proposed use comply complies as a conditional use uh, with the zoning for the agricultural district. Two, the proposed expansion complies with bulk height setback buffers and other requirements for the property. Three, established roads are adequate for stacking of vehicles. Four, adjacent proper the applicant proposes no changes to water, sewer, and operating hours. And five, the um, the um, application satisfies the Department of Public Works stormwater requirements. And as a 19th uh, condition, following number 18 that was uh, read in the original proposal, I would add, I would propose that we add, shall include all other voluntary conditions on phase two as outlined in attachment D of the application for approval.
said D as in dog. D as in dog. Mm-hmm. So we had a motion and a second with some amendments. Do I have a second on the amendments? I'll second the amendments. Any discussion? Just a question. Uh, on the Going back to the road improvements, is there a bond in place, or is, is the uh, maintenance money coming from you folks voluntary, uh, voluntary or... Initially, there was a bond that we posted for those improvements that were required for the initial. And then um, for the repair of Carter Road, we did not uh, have to furnish a bond because the improvements were done rather quickly, and we just provided the financial assistance as required. There's no future bond at this point. So the, the, bond, the original bond has expired? It's, yeah, okay. Well, it was released when the... It was released when the required work was satisfactory completed. Ms. Kurz. Any other discussion? Uh, motions, amendments, and seconds. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none. You're all set. Congratulations. I'd just like to add that it's been refreshing to, to see how you guys operated with the, with the county. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commission members. Okay. At this time, we will take a five-minute break. Before we take a break, oh. don't we need to vote on the motion as oh. amended? Uh-huh. We just voted, we voted everything in, in one. Oh. Next on the agenda is a project discussion for concept plan uh, number SP1909036, the architecture and site plan layout discussion for the Ken Allen Library expansion. Mr. Cahoon? Yes, sir. Uh, we have um, with us today Craig Williams, the architect for the project, Tom Davis, the civil engineer for the project, and Lee Edgar, the chief of engineering. Uh, we also have the leadership team from the Queen Anne's County Library. Um, we have the executive director, uh, Janet Salazar, and Julie Ranelli, who is the uh, branch manager for this uh, facility, Ken Island branch of uh, the library. Um, the Um, This project received concept plan approval in November, and we presented the um, concept plan as well as the architecture to the planning commission, which generated um, some uh, good discussion and a number of comments. So over the last two months, the county, the engineer, the surveyor, and the library has been working together to address some of those comments, and we wanted to give you an update with where we are, um, the revisions that you can expect to see with the site plan that will be coming forward. Um, you know, this is just a concept plan, and we are currently working on a site plan design to bring to submit that and to bring that before the planning commission in February or March. So this is purely uh, informational purposes. Yes, we wanted to share some of the changes and how we uh, the comments we heard from the planning commission and how we're addressing them, and get your feedback. Um, that that really is. Um, during um, the meeting, one of the big issues was the architectural renderings provided. Um, and uh, we've gone back, and, and Craig Williams is going to go through uh, some of the changes, um, some of the, uh, uh, basically a virtual tour of the facility, and, and uh, explain um, what, what's changed since you last saw this project. Craig? Thank you. Uh, again, uh, Craig Williams with Becker Morgan Group, and the project architect. 
Um, I want to start off by saying uh, we really appreciate um, how involved you've been in the process and um, how concerned you are with the design of the buildings that are built in your community. So um, it's very encouraging. So I, I will just kind of show you um, – we did this during one of our work sessions where I sh we had our precedents, things that really inspired us for this building, um, You know what we intend – for this building to uh, to really illustrate to the people that use it, um, let's see, you know, very open. Technical difficulties here. Sorry. Like you're planning significantly to widen Cox Creek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like the mountains behind it. <laughs> That's a dredge foil, right? Well, I'm not sure we'll get over the trees. It's all for Cox Creek. As you can see, there's. Um, there's a native species. <laughs> natural materials really bringing the landscape up to the building. Um, you know, it sort of blends in. Um, so that, again, areas of water, we really, really appreciate um, how the local um, uh, planting is, uh, very natural landscaping, and also the building sort of blends in. So let me jump back to virtual tour here. Um, this is starting out from the street. Um, we have updated the entrance to uh, refocus the drive to the new uh, entrance to the building. Um, it sort of gently curves to the east towards the river, um, towards the creek. And to our right here, it's not really shown here, but the existing um, stormwater management pond is located here. And we really are heavily wooded to the right. There will be pervious pavers uh, for all these parking spaces. But as you can see, as we drive in, we're... Pavers or pavement? Uh, pavers. Just like those outside here, mm -hmm. in the, in the right. parking stalls, pretty much what you see outside. This virtual tour doesn't um, show those, so uh, Tom will go in more detail when we show the civil drawings as far as where the, um, all the new previous pavers will be located. So as we drive in, we have a choice of going left to the existing parking lot and to the right, which is all new parking. Um, in, oh, the, oh, in the center is a planting, um, a planter, which we will do some native species in there. Um, it's a good opportunity to put uh, local sculptures or something um, interesting at the focus of that entrance. We've done uh, benches, uh, board form concrete, pavers, again, to lead people into this new entrance on the existing building. We've pulled some of the new elements, the board form concrete, the wood uh, material, new benches, up lighting, wall lighting, uh, really to kind of give that, um, to tie everything in together, at least with the lighting aspect of that part. Um, Material-wise, we've matched a, the uh, asphalt roof and also the slate accents above the windows, pulling that into this new material here. Um, it's a concrete. We mentioned it last time. It has a 50-year warranty plus, so we look to that being here for a very long time. Uh, we extended the glass 
uh, demolished a little bit more of the building here, so we have a better transition between the old and the new. Uh, that actually is a cafe area. Again, pulling the landscaping back into the building here. The wood material for the, the main entrance. And then what we've done that's different from the last time, uh, we've pulled the brick material over to this children's area. We've provided some growing trellises here, again, to more bring some landscaping up around and into the building. And as we move around to the back, we have more of this natural cement material, lots of glass, really bringing the outside in. And not much has changed back in there, so I think we're all familiar with that part. Um, again, we've picked up the lines. We've done um, a soldier course with our bricks to match what's going on in the existing building as well. Um, mullions, the new buildings will have new frames. Everything will match, new trims, uh, new fascias, soffits. All of that will tie together between the old and the new. And to pass around real quickly the materials um, that Mr. Cahoon's going to pass around. The wood composite panels, what you're seeing around the main entrance. And then those two samples are the vertical siding on the rest of the building. And I'll show you a sample of what that looks like installed. That's, it's basically like three different types of materials that so have different textures. So it really picks the light up different. It looks like a natural wood. Um, but it has a lot longer uh, lifespan and minimal maintenance. I think at that point, um, that's pretty much our major changes from last time. Um, open to any comments. Uh. But, um, just to uh, make a few points, um, in looking at the building and the architecture, um, the rear and the side focus um, are, are, are buffered by um, existing mature uh, woodlands, and the, the large windows um, on the sides and the rear remain to try to bring the, the, the outside in and the inside out. Um, that, those features remain, and also I uh, want to point out that those um, portions of the building aren't um, visible from the public view. You know, we focused our efforts on the uh, main entrance coming in, trying to um, focus on uh, this being a new library facility, this being a new building. I think uh, Craig spoke during the November meeting about the importance of um, showing or the public perception of this being a new modern uh, library facility in the way that everybody sees a modern library as opposed to um, what they were 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, the um, so with with that in mind, the, the brick was wrapped around the side. Um, the rear and the um, and the roof line remained the same. Uh, there was questions about the mechanical units. Um, maybe if we can show that the mechanical units on the rooftop are hidden mm -hmm. and um, remain out of sight, um, which is always a, an issue with a, a flat roof building. Um, that's something that um, is is very important that they they be screened. You'll notice um, this mechanical yard that we've pushed up onto the roof 
and behind this wall will be the exterior outdoor mechanical units. Um, behind this wall here is our actual mechanical mezzanine. Majority of our mechanical will be within that building, or that part of the building. And one of the big driving forces, two two main things in in the consideration of the design was one, we were um, trying to put forward a design where the existing library could remain open during construction. So there was a separation from the existing building to the new. Um, So that was part of it. And then the interior, I don't know, Craig, if you can share some of um, those views. The the large open areas of the interior was a key feature on the function and use of the library. Um, with that, you know, there's limited staff and having the visibility throughout the entire facility so that we can um, get the most efficient use of staffing possible. Um, um, you know, so the, the person at the, at the counter, uh, front counter at the library, can see and monitor a large portion of the facility. So, Greg, you want to point out some of the points of the interior? Yeah. Uh, what you'll notice, we're in the main adult collections um, what we can consider to be the typical uh, library use. Um, We have a very extended uh, teen area behind this wall here. It's very open to the the staff, but still gives the teens a little bit of privacy. Uh, We'll have television in there, areas for uh, video game use, um, some computers for computer games. Uh, Behind this wall is is the uh, children's area. Again, very open, but still uh, separate enough to keep the sound down. A lot of baffling in the ceiling. Uh, you'll notice we have a lot of low windows, and this is really just to encourage that landscape connection, um, forcing the views down to see the ground and see the planting rather than just all the views out. Uh, but we also mix that up with the large windows. Uh, we have outdoor playground um, uh, program area because a lot of functions do happen outside. So that would, those windows would be facing towards Cox Creek? Correct. To orient you? Um, that, that's the, the children's portion is behind the brick wall that uh, fronts on the parking lot. And then that it would be the portion looking out um, to the mature wooded, wooded buffer towards Cox Creek. This line here, yeah, would be the, the wooded buffer existing. So moving back into here, we have a flexible program area with uh, folding partitions, so this can, this can stay open most of the time and be used for normal day-to-day uh, library use, but when a program is happening, it can be closed off. Um, there are dedicated restrooms just for the children's area, located back here. Uh, central circulation, and again, one of our concepts is always to try to um, have a library function with minimal staff. Ideally, one person can control everything in there if it needed to be. So this uh, circulation has views of the front entrance. Um, it has views of the children's area, the teen area, and, again, all of the adult collections. Uh, it will be nearby to the computer use and self-checkout. So, again, if there's assistance, uh, someone can be there to, without having to travel too far from the central location of the circulation desk. Behind this wall is the workroom. Again, so that's connected to where the majority of the staff uh, will be. It's a quick jump to the circulation desk. So they're not, um, they're not required to move a lot through the building. And basically the entire new addition is going to be dedicated to the books and to, um, to the children's and the teen areas where the existing building is 
going to be classrooms and meeting spaces. And this lended itself pretty well to the phasing that we need to do because the new edition will go online and they can actually still function as a library. Um, if they have to do some programs off-site, they can, that's something that can be done maybe with um, you know, partnering with the schools or, or something like that. Uh, but then when the old uh, building comes online, they'll have um, a lot of new meeting spaces and classrooms. We'll have a maker space. Um, I think we have a total of uh, six, five, we'll have five meeting rooms of varying sizes available. Um, new restrooms here to meet the requirements of the meeting rooms. As we go into the meeting rooms here, you'll see there's a uh, partition down the middle that can divide it into two. We sneak over here onto the other side. And it's a meeting room that can hold about 200 people. Um, Which will be one of the largest meeting rooms in the county. I mean, this, this room, you know, it, it's going to be comparable or larger than, than this meeting room. Give us a meeting space on Kent Island for uh, public meetings. We have a dedicated um, presentation area here that can be used for uh, if there's a food or if there's some kind of presentation. Uh, it's a table with a lot of storage underneath. Behind that's a door to a kitchenette, which has direct access to the outside, so caterers can func uh, provide for this event without interrupting anything that's going on inside. Uh, egress for each of them out the back. And I think we were talking with the library today of um, one of the alternates that we may consider is uh, doing a um, cook surface here with a, a fume hood above so they can actually do cooking presentations in this room. It lends itself really well to that, which is a, we're seeing as a growing trend in a lot of libraries now, now for uh, cooking um, education. Um, we go down near the existing, the old entry, uh, which would be a secondary entrance uh, if there's an after-hours meeting. But we intend that most people will go through the main entrance. Uh, they can exit here, but it would probably be locked after hours and only exit only. Um, this entire area, this corridor here, is after hours use. Everything will be lockable, key card, so someone could rent makerspace for the evening. They would have access to just that door and the restrooms and the door inside, so it doesn't have to be monitored by library staff. Uh, let's see. We have study rooms. The library will have uh, five uh, expandable to, let's see, we changed this a little bit recently. Um, and four expandable to six uh, study rooms. Again, we're catching a lot of natural light, but with the large overhangs, it's, we're able to control that, so we're not getting a lot of glare either. Is, so, the, is the interior and exterior both video? Surve surveillance? Yeah. Yes, surveillance. extensively. Um, we will actually go through with the library at some point. We're not quite there with our technology consultant where they will pick every single camera location. Yep. And that will be monitored from um, – let me actually go in here and show you that real quick. Um, adjacent to the workroom 
This is the uh, library director's office with a window out. We will most likely have the monitors in there. They'll probably be on their normal computer. They can access uh, every video monitor in the building. Uh, we don't. We don't believe we need an actual fence that goes around the perimeter. We don't have it now. Uh, the library staff feels confident that's not really required. Um, the area for the children's, we're putting enough there that at least it, it's somewhat controlled, but not completely enclosed. Um, but we definitely want to put a buffer between that and the uh, parking area. And one of the reasons why we have really sort of turning a solid wall towards the parking lot. It's, again, it's the children's area behind here. We wanted that to be more of a buffer. Um, but at the same time, uh, since this is a program room, we wanted to get some of that views out. So this blank wall we thought would be a great opportunity to grow some, some natural you know, trees and vines up the building. So I'm going to show you some renderings real quick here. So showing the evening shot, lots of different variety of lighting, wall lighting, up lighting. Um, these windows are going to be opened up so you really can see inside to the classroom and maker space area. Um, you can really see the, the tie-in of the mullions across the entire building. Do you have a photograph or a rendering of the before and after? Which you had in November and wh Do. where we are now. I think you've presented everything very clearly in, in some of the design changes that you've heard from us. I think one of the things was, was a transition from the old building to the new building, and I think, I think you've accomplished that. I it was our intent. I hope. I hope we did as well. I want to thank you for the facade improvements. They um, they certainly do provide more cohesive structure in the front, and also the reorientation of the entry road. I think will um, be an asset to showing that the new new and new addition is the entry point. Um, and I I liked in your. Uh, description also that you had increased the pervious imper the pervious surface and decreased the intrusion into the buffer of uh, extra parking or some extra parking spaces. You'd reduce the number, I think, by four in the um, in the buffer area, and um, I, th I think those all are great improvements. I like the interior design before and the functionality of it before. I think you've maintain that while making this improvement. The only thing I noticed when you were doing the presentation, and is that ladder that goes to the mechanical accessible? It looked like it was accessible by anybody from oh, the ground. Yeah. No, it will have a cage on it. Um, okay. And that's actually sort of thrown in here for this. Um, yeah, it will have uh, an enclosure so you can't get up. We haven't decided if it's going to be the cage you have to open or if we're actually going to have to put a little fenced-in area at the bottom. But kids won't be able to climb up that ladder. That would seem to me... Oh, well, kids can do whatever they want. <laughs> but we're going to make sure it's very difficult. <laughs> okay. A question for Mr. Cahoon, I believe. If not, he's certainly welcome to defer. And understanding we're still at concept uh, in this discussion, but 
my children's schools have undergone significant security upgrades. Uh, has there been any consideration or can you comment on that for this particular f facility? Have there been any discussions around that while we're, while we're doing upgrades and, and construction types of activities? Okay. Um, safety during construction? Uh, no. I'm, or or once, safety? Once it's uh, open once, to the public. Okay. I'll have to defer to Craig and to Janet on, on the current safety operations and, and things in place as well as what will be. Um, well, one of the, as far as a, I'll go to the plan here. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we actually did for the children's area, which we feel is the, the biggest um, uh, security concern, the entrance is here. You have to pass through a lot of staff and um, lots of eyes before you get to the children's area, um, even though it is really in the front of the room, which is convenient for actually the patrons there actually is a lot of um, circulation you have to go to get there. We have uh, two sets of doors here and another set here. And then um, while we don't actually have a door into the children's area, mainly because we want that the, vit, the more um, circulation to, to occur there for safety, um, we've actually, we have glass and a little bit more of a buffer to keep it more private. But then, again, a direct view to the circulation area to the library director, um, and we'll have a lot of eyes on that. I think there'll actually be a staff member in here um, most of the time. Um, again, like we discussed earlier, we're trying to turn up a very strong buffer towards the street. The teen area, the same condition, um, very visual. In a, we don't want to rely on security cameras, um, <coughs> but in the sense here, that's why we've located it, uh, so that actual real eyes can see these people. Um, a secondary concern usually for, for libraries is the restroom use. Um, we anticipate most people will use the family lab here because they're individual. They're just a lot more comfortable to use. Um, the multi-use ones down here, we're keeping this. And this is a friend's area, friend's storage, and we have glass walls on three sides. Again, to keep this, I'll go back to the model here. Very visual from the circulation area. So the restrooms would be right along this wall here. So when, even though they're distance from the main uh, circulation, they're very um, open. We're also going to do frosted glass because we have motion sensor, sensor uh, lighting. So there's, if there's any activity in there, um, the light will be on. Um, it also is a, it's a mental thing that um, if you feel like there's a frosted glass, you don't feel so enclosed inside those restrooms. Um, beyond that, card access to every single uh, door uh, that can be controlled by the staff. Um, again, video surveillance. And uh, we don't, again, we don't feel we need actually a security fencing. Um, but we've we do a lot of high schools and elementary schools, and we've really brought a lot of the things we've learned from there um, into this building. I just know, you know, uh, diagonally across the street or, or down Route 18 from here is the Stevensville Middle School, and they have a resource officer at the front desk. Hmm. I don't know if that's, that's a, more of a personnel sort of approach, so I don't know if rather than a, a physical lock or a, a barrier, right, has, is there, is, has there been conversation around? Is, is that a current concern or a future concern? 
We haven't had any conversations um, about having security officers in the building. Right now, we're relying on staff to keep their eyes on everything. We've had a lot of training on situational awareness and being aware of what's happening in the library, so staff are already vigilant. I think the added digital and video surveillance will really help. We don't currently have that, and having that along with the staff and having those card access, I think, will go a long way to make sure that You perceive this as an upgrade to your current set. I do, actually. Um, but if it gets to the point where we feel like we need to have an, a presence of a security person, we would certainly enter into those. When Where I came from in Charles County, we did have off-duty sheriff department personnel as our security. Um, so if we feel it gets to that point, we would certainly enter into those kind of conversations, but I don't think we're there yet. This is this is the time to have the conversation, so I'm putting it out there. Thank you. Thank so, you. Uh, Ms. Salazar, some of us know you, but not everyone. Can you identify yourself and oh, I'm who sorry, you're yes. with? I am Thank Janet you. Salazar. I'm the director for the Queen Anne's County Public Library. Are there any other questions or comments at this time for the applicant or architect? So we went through the architectural. There were some other site changes um, that we'd like to share with the Planning Commission and receive your comments, but that's going to require switching over to computers. So if we're, if um, there's any other comments on architecture? Um, so I think architecturally, um, this board or commission has been very consistent throughout the last few years in maintaining um, eastern shore vernacular, peaks, valleys, uh, no flat roofs, um, you know, so we have a different feel for the and try and maintain as much rural, um, I guess, feeling for this area. Was there any kind of concept that was presented to you uh, that had some kind of other than a flat roof? So um, there were pitched roofs considered early on. If Craig, I think you evaluated them in relation to cost and and tying in. I don't know. Yeah, when we first began the concept um, about a year and a half ago, we had options with pitched roofs. Um, we the team quickly moved uh, away from that um, as an option. Uh, one one of the major reasons was cost. Um, we we didn't want to. Um, we had metal roofs, uh, which is typically what we like to do on newer additions just for lifespan and it was just cost prohibitive um it didn't work well with the larger masses that we like to put in these buildings with the the openness um it just made it a little more complicated we did look at it more recently and we just it's just at this point it's extremely difficult to put in pitch roofs and have a and still keep the original concept um there wasn't no elegant way to put it in at this point um we did understand that we have a pitched roof on the existing building. Um, so what we did try to do is pick up the massing of that existing building um, with the lower areas so that really the flat roofs and away from the ground, they disappear. Um, they read more of the, like the, of the soffit. I mean, if you're standing here and you look up there, there's nothing that says this isn't a hip roof with a really low hip roof. Um, so rather than having that additional expense, um, we left that with the flat roofs. But we did. We looked at them. It's just something that just didn't seem to um, and agree with what we were, our concept. And the, since the November meeting, there was, I mean, we did have a discussion about um, 
you know, are there different mansards or or um, kind of faux things that you could do on a corner or or whatever? And it it just didn't seem to blend very well with with. It just seemed like an add-on, you know. Honestly, um, this you know certainly is a, is an institutional facility. Um, you know, it's in a, in a cluster of institutional facilities with the existing elementary schools around and the, the middle school across the street. Um, you know, they're, they're, with some of those larger institutional facilities, we certainly do have, you know, flat roofs in the area for that type of use. Um, okay. Thank you. Mike, make a comment on that. I mean, I know the cost is there, but the maintenance on a flat roof... If you go across the street to the high school and see the tubs and buckets they have on display in the lobby, mm-hmm. it's a disgrace. And I don't know of any flat roof that has a suitable longevity. of. of it's just a disgrace. Uh, a library, you're talking about equipment and stuff in here. I don't find that be, to me, the cost would be justified. Um, we do... We do a lot of low slope roofs, um, and in order to meet that requirement, because we agree with what you're saying that they have a problem, um, they potentially have a problem. One of the reasons why we we try to put all of our equipment into the mechanical mezzanines and limit the amount of um, rooftop units, because the biggest problem with flat roofs or low slope roofs is actually maintenance staff having to go up there and all the penetrations through the roof. Um, this roof, the way we've designed it, has, I think, seven penetrations, and they're really just for the roof drains. So we don't, the staff isn't required to go up there, maybe a ladder to look at a, a roof drain that's only a foot away from the wall. Um, we don't have any other... Um, you know, we don't have some some areas in our coastal can have seagull problems, things like that. But um, typically, on our, we put these on our high schools, and we have this has a minimum of twenty five plus year warranty on it. Um, well, it, with, depending on our our budget, we'll do an alternate for a forty year roof. So it's up there with uh, with the asphalt. Can you name us any buildings that do not have a problem with this? Um, I can give you a list. Most of our schools don't. And we've done plenty of high schools and schools. In seeing that. Yeah. So it, you made a comment just now that you talked about asphalt, but I thought you talked about pavers. Pavers are significantly more expensive than a pervious asphalt. We're talking about the roof. Oh, oh, roof. oh, oh just the, the roof pavers. Line. Okay. So there may be some cost-benefit analysis and analysis and looking at the putting in pavers that are all manually laid versus you know, a, a pervious asphalt versus a, you know, a, a different kind of roofing system that would require less maintenance. We had um, Public Works had provided the guidance with regard to the permeable pavers, and that was in direct response to the comments that you'd had. And also a vision we'd had, as, as you're probably aware, this building right here has the permeable brick pavers that were selected as one of the several elements to achieve the ESD stormwater requirements. We'd also done that with the uh, courthouse as well. They'd worked so well, it just seemed natural to include them here. Um, if I may, I would like to touch on the budget because that is, has been one thing that has been a challenge. Um, it's been a 
unique opportunity and a privilege here from the public works perspective. Oftentimes, we're speaking to you, you know, providing guidance from the regulatory sense. In this case, we've had the opportunity to also guide this project directly in terms of uh, helping to manage the project. Cost has, as, as I'm sure you're aware, has been the challenge. It's been something that there's been great interest in the library, but just due to the timing of the needs for the new circuit courthouse, the detention center, all those kind of things, the county commissioners have been concerned with ensuring that we're achieving the right financial balance. Um, there's been great interest in the library, but concern that we stay within a certain budget. So as a result, through the last uh, couple of years, it has been quite an interesting exercise trying to keep the project within the budget that the commissioners were looking for. And I'm pleased to say we've done that. There's been, the architect has worked tirelessly, uh, prob probably to the extent that it's frustrated him. He's had to leave a lot of elements out due to the value engineering. And uh, so, so a lot of the things that you see are in, I, we, you know, the challenge we have, even with roads, for example, putting down Portland cement concrete that could potentially last for 50 years or more. We actually have one concrete road here in the county. It's over 100 years old um, versus asphalt where you get a fraction of that life. But the reality is that it's so much easier for us to, that initial cost is very important. So that's something that, that uh, Public Works and the architect and library have looked at closely is keeping the costs in check. And what you, you are... I hope you don't end up with this. I'm going to make an editorial comment about the circuit court and costs. <laughs> uh, the, the concern about cost has left behind in the circuit court some problems that um, we wish didn't exist for those of us that have to use it regularly. i.e. the size of the courtrooms is one big problem. It's a different subject. Right. I get my chance to make it now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the editorial. <laughs> we will review that building. and. Uh... What you see here is with the value engineering that's been worked in, it is within within the budget, including contingencies and cushions as needed to be within the budget we're looking for. And as I believe uh, Janet and Julie will speak to in a little bit, uh, very much meets the needs and the interests of what they've been looking for and what this new expanded and renovated library and how it will serve Queen Anne's County. What would be the difference in the cost to, to um, put the peaks and valleys on it versus the flat? I don't really have, a, have an idea what that would be, but I can tell you it would be a significant cost at time at this point. Um, we, we're not going to – no one on our team will feel comfortable just putting peaks on this building as it's designed now. Um, that would be just um, – I wouldn't be doing my job if I, just, if I did that. So we would have to go back and relook at how everything is designed on this building to make sure that the peaks made sense um, – to how it connects to the existing building. And I would be almost comfortable. If you look at any building, the roof is 50% of, of its design. I mean, the walls go up to 10 feet, and the roof goes up to another 15. So you just don't pop something on top. So at that point, I'm saying if we had to add peaks on this, I'd say it's almost a redesign at this point. So that's, that's the problem. That's the cost at this point. And with our schedule, hoping to break ground in June. Problem. I think it's a learning opportunity in knowing your customers. 
knowing <clears throat> knowing the commission and what this county has required over the years. You well, know, this, and granted, yeah. I I like your design. Mm-hmm. I really do, and I think you've made some significant and drastic improvements to make it less brutalist. And I like what you've presented. However, we as a commission have practiced something, and to just flip it on its side is, you know, something that we would all want to consider. And this is purely discussion right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's what we're doing. We're discussing. So. Well, I think we, I, I agree with the, my thoughts. Yeah, Craig, I agree what you're saying with the vernacular, but I can find plenty of examples of Eastern Shore vernacular that have flat roofs. I mean, institutional, as Mr. Cahoon yeah. mentioned, there are plenty of examples of educational and institutional facilities that have flat roofs that meet the vernacular. Uh, our task from the last meeting here was really to make that the new addition blend more with the existing building based on your concerns, and I think we addressed those concerns. Um, if we tried to go back and make it meet Eastern Shore vernacular, that's a whole different challenge at this point. And in a year and a half up to this point, which I, I understand that the commission's concern is that you know, they're, they're, you're seeing this really for the first time, but um, many, many eyes have seen this over the last year and a half. Many of the staff, the public, um, uh, the public has seen it. Um, county commissioners have seen it, and everyone has looked at it and they've loved the building. So we've had no no um, feedback that there was anything we were doing that was wrong. So we just kept moving forward. Point so, well taken in that we were remiss to not bring this to you sooner and, and that you didn't have the opportunity. Uh, we And we... One of the things from a public work standpoint, it's, it has been a pleasure to work with all the different agencies and pulling this together and working with the library and the commissioners and planning and zoning. And we want to thank you for your time in meeting with us following the last meeting and having this discussion today. And I mean, that's exactly why we're, why we're here. Um, we, we are in the situation where time doesn't afford us the opportunity for for many significant changes and so we and, and that's part of the reason why we want to have the discussion with you today show you what kinds of changes have come thus far with the hope that any other changes or things you might be looking for we've got a clear understanding before we bring it back to you for site plan approval so uh we, we appreciate I may that have, uh, initiated this uh, latest uh, round of comments with a comment I made about yeah. 20 minutes ago. Uh, it, has, it, it is correct to say, uh, as, is this your note, Tom? Mm-hmm. Will not pass by? Yes. That the uh, property, uh, the library is in the SE district, suburban estate, which um, does not have the design guidelines that the town center district has. This town center district probably abutting this property somewhere. Um. On the other side of 18, on the other side of the bridge. Yeah. But so across the street, the design guidelines that we are discussing, Eastern Shore Vernacular, you know, avoid flat roofs if you can, applies across the street. It well, across further, in, in Chester, to town center property. is specific to Chester growth area. This yeah. is Stevensville growth area. It is a separation. So those but, design guidelines do not apply to this property. And, and I think um, there are certain zoning districts where the design guidelines don't apply, such as the um, the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. 
you know, there's certainly a cluster of similar type buildings in an area, mm-hmm. and they have similar architecture or similar features. Um, you know, this being more of an institutional use cluster, you know. The, the problem is um, optics. Uh, we require um, in the town center and in the growth areas um, commercial developments to meet a certain standard. Yes. And we always hear that that costs more money, and we say we don't care. Um, well, it's not that we don't care. It's that this is what the code requires. Uh, and so there's a certain optics problem here. There's and and each site is looked at individually. I mean, there are certainly are self storage sites which have their issues in meeting design guidelines. Um, there's also, um, as I mentioned, the business park, um, and then there's also the consideration of visibility from a public right of way, which is where we're where we can be concerned with architecture. This building on two sides, you know, is not visible from a public right of way. It's really just the entrance of the building that we're that the design guidelines would be concerned with. Many of the buildings that come before the planning commission are in very visible locations. You know, um, most of the commercial development that occurs is between Maryland 18 and um, U.S. 50, where you're visible from all sides, or it's plopped in the middle of an existing center where you're visible from all sides. Um, nobody provides 100-foot buffering on a property to screen buildings. It just you know, doesn't happen. Um, and, you know, so so the county doing a project for an institutional use does have some differences from a, a commercial entity. Um. One of the things that, that was very attractive to this approach with the glass and everything is the site being located on 16 acres, largely enveloped in a wooden area. As Craig had alluded, the opportunity to particularly in a learning institution, to bring nature in and have those views. Lee, we don't disagree with you. I I think this commission and people I've even shared this with um, in my profession on the other side of of the world have agreed that the rear of the building was the best part. They thought that was the best part of the entire building. Um, And I think, like I mentioned, I think this is a wonderful solution to what we've done i just asked the question if you had made those considerations because this commission as a whole has generally required um and asked for peaks valleys dormers mansards different things and opportunities and i wanted to know how that was pursued and i think it's been asked and answered so thank you we appreciate that thank you yes we do okay so are there any other questions for architecture I think it's worth commenting, Mr. Chairman, if I may, that Please. this is a rendering, right? And so that tree representation in the background is much more dense and exactly. likely taller in in perspective. Yes. That I'm no architect. I will defer to you for that. But it may help with the perception of that sort of boxed look, right? If, if you envision the trees to the right sort of extending toward the flagpole and beyond, that will be the the facade or the profile that will be more representative of what's currently existing. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I would say that probably starting where my mouse is here is the tree line sort of starts there. Um, the pond is in here, so it's very heavily treed from here over. And, and well, in addition to the backdrop, but yeah, from the street. And then, yeah, once you get up to, to here, uh, you can kind of see the line a little bit um, here. 
most of this because that's where the heavy trees begin. And everything in the back, yeah. And the rendering actually sort of shows that a little bit better. The other one. Okay, we only right. have a few other revisions to run okay. through, Just and I'll try to go through them fairly quickly. Um, please, with the thank software. you. And then, how do we switch? I'll do it. I'll okay. disconnect. I asked Rob if I could bring boards and paper. Flip them over. We don't do boards and paper yeah. anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, um, okay. Real quick, we know where the site is and where we're talking about. It's 16-acre suburban um, estate, and uh, a concept plan has been approved. The expa expansion is going in the only uh, cleared area of the property. Over half of it is wooded. Um, you know, just a zoomed in site. The original concept plan that was approved had the entrance drive uh, going directly into the existing facility. As Craig explained, that gets adjusted, and, and he spoke to that a little bit. Also, the parking lot had some parking spaces in the floodplain down in this portion um, of the site as well, and then pedestrian access was something that, that was brought up. Um, we talked about exterior architecture. Um, we didn't get in detail to, about stormwater management at the concept plan level because it was concept plan level, but we have some a little bit more additional information about that. Some adjustments in the floodplain, some adjustments to parking, pedestrian access, and tree clearing. Um, what I handed out to you was an exhibit showing the location of proposed stormwater management facilities on the site. Um, that's what this slide shows. The uh, big... Uh, um, right next to the entrance drive is the existing pond that will uh, remain. Um, the new features uh, just east of the addition um, will be a bioswale. So all the drainage uh, coming off of the building and from this service road will be directed um, to be captured into this bioswale where it can be um, treated. And then the overflow for the bioswale would uh, discharge to the existing pond. The new parking area. Um, it is proposed to be graded so that the stormwater management can be treated in this um, submerged gravel wetland feature. Um, it would be uh, captured there, treated there, and any overflow would be um, to the existing pond. Um, the shaded parking spaces, 49 of the 52 new parking spaces will be pervious pavement, as um, Mr. Edgar explained, um, very similar to what's here um, at this building. The only three new parking spaces that were not included were isolated up in this location um, and not um, really viable for, for pervious pavement due to their, their um, location, and, and it's only three of them. Um, so those are the stormwater features um, from the building. It will be addressed by the bioswale. The parking lot will be addressed by the submerged gravel wetland, and then the pervious parking will be considered as well. Um, Mr. Davis is in the process of, of sizing these uh, stormwater facilities and finalizing uh, that design, but it certainly addresses, um, addresses the need. That just explains what I um, just went through. Uh, floodplain. Uh, the location of the floodplain um, did the the new parking lot did encroach into the existing floodplain location. Um, the uh, exhibit on the left 
shows uh, the approved concept plan. The exhibit on the right was in response to comments uh, from the Planning Commission trying to minimize um, impervious coverage or parking in the floodplain. Um, it was redesigned to remove four parking spaces, also to keep uh, contours consistent uh, for the driveway that, that goes through there, that drop portion of the drive aisle um, will be elevated to elevation 5 to, or to 5.5, which will bring it up and out of the floodplain, but it will uh, create a smooth transition for driving on um, with the existing slopes on the property. So that will be outside of the floodplain. Um, so, um, it was a reduction of approximately four or seven hundred and fifty square feet of impervious in the floodplain, um, you know, which which is in response to the comments we heard. Uh, parking, the um, we heard concerns about: is it too much uh, pavement or impervious, or you know, if we're over parked, do we really need to be? Um, the current facility has approximately twenty more parking spaces than required. Um, when we went back and looked at. Um, for the size of the building, 49 spaces are required, and they provide 71. You know, so the current and th those um, parking spaces are used today. Um, the new um, addition will have 52 additional parking spaces, which is consistent for the size of, of that facility. You know, for the new building, um, we're not we're not really doing additional parking. It's it really meets the requirement for the new space being added, in addition to what's already there. Um, 49 of the spaces will be pervious pavement to address the um, concern about runoff and, and um, amount of uh, lot coverage um, being placed there. And a total of proposed um, parking is 123 spaces. And this is um, in part due to the multiple um, use of the property. When we look at the code, it has library you know, as a parking standard. Um, but many more things happen here. You know, we have the meeting space that we have to, you know, keep in mind. Um, we have, it is a polling center, a polling place for our board of elections um, that we have to keep in mind. And then also um, people use this as a trailhead for the Cross Island Trail. You know, there's bathroom facilities there. There's parking facilities there. People do routinely, um, you, you know, park there, go on the trail and, and recreate as opposed to, um, in addition to using the facilities for the library. Um, also, the demographics of the users, you know, we have seniors, children, and, and family members are most of the patrons. Um, so having adequate parking right near the building is, is important. Um, trying to, if, if the parking lot is full, trying to bring those uh, patrons over from um, the elementary school or the middle school is just problematic. It's just, it's, it's farther away than we would allow for satellite parking. Um, one, one improvement uh, for pedestrian access um, with the relocation of the drive aisle and the flipping of the parking to the um, to the other side of the drive aisle, it it um, lended itself to connecting to the Maryland 18 sidewalk and bringing a sidewalk adjacent to those new parking spaces that leads people right to the front door. And for the children coming from the middle school and the elementary schools, that's a very um, it, it prevents them having to cross um, the drive aisle or the entrance to the library. So that, that's an improvement that came out of the redesign and the discussion. Um, tree clearing and landscaping came up as a question. Um, the percentage of tree clearing, we're required to retain 80% of the woodlands on site um, because this is within the Chesapeake Bay critical area. Uh, 
that allows 20% clearing, which would be about 1.7 acres. Right now, with the current design, it's approximately 10% clearing is what um, the Planning Commission can expect to uh, to see with the site plan. That totals about uh, eight-tenths of an acre, and we can replace that in the same watershed, um, probably on the Tanner property, you know, right across the creek or within the same um, um, Right, right in the same area, um, adjacent properties. Um, landscaping, we will use native species. Um, you will see native species when the when the landscaping plan comes in, but um, we're not quite there yet. But you will see a full landscaping plan with the uh, site plan submittal um, showing native species on the property. Um, so th those are some of the changes in response to the the discussion that we uh, had in November, and we're open to any you know. Any questions on any of these points or additional comments by the Planning Commission? Uh, one question, please, Mr. Cahoon, is you mentioned that uh, <clears throat> the public typically uh, parks here and accesses the Cross Island Trail, I'm assuming. Where, where does, where's the closest point for access for the property? For where does the trail? If I was going to go there today and, and walk the trail, how, where would I access that? Okay, so Western um, corner, I think. right here. Okay. So there, there's a trail spur that comes down to um, to the library from the Cross Island Trail. It passes the dog park. Um, the dog park is on that section as well. Um, okay, so it comes it's a spur off the main trail. Yes. I see. Okay. I was having trouble picturing where that was in my mind. Thank you. Oh, I see it now. Yes. Okay. So it comes there right right down that yes. side. Yes, yep, thank so, you. Yep. So people do get to the library using the trail, but also people park at the library to use the trail. <laughs> so. Um, I would like to say thank you for reevaluating all that and relocating, reducing parking, and taking the comments that the commission had uh, raised and concerns. I think you've done a wonderful job in doing that, and we greatly appreciate those efforts, um, speaking on behalf of the commission. Clearing mostly for stormwater management? Um, about half and half. Where, is the, where are the trees for the for either parking lot or the expansion? Right above the stormwater pond, right in that whole area right there is all parking lot. Yeah, well, that would be for stormwater management and parking. Yes. I see. I got you. You know, it's still in flux, but we'll, we'll definitely be under the 20%. Just curious as to where it would, why it was being cleared. <laughs> Take tr mature trees out to put in a man-made stormwater pond. <laughs> when this original library was done, it was a ag field. Uh, I did the original engineering on the library, and it was a vacant virgin field at that time. It used to be a white farm. So the counties just let it grow up over time. Is there any harvestable? Uh, I don't think it you is. Know, is there any dollar value in, in harvesting so. those trees? It's not that mature. It's only maybe 25 years old. Maybe a little older than that. I ask because there's a there's a there's a conversation being had in more urban areas, D.C., Baltimore, for sure, um, to reuse trees that come off of situations like this, right? And they literally cut them down, make them into stumps and benches to put at a library, for example. Uh, I just think that would be a, a fun, fantastic sort of thing to say, these benches you're sitting on were 
growing there, and they had to be removed for this opportunity, but now we're reusing that material. There's a few large ones in this area around the stormwater pond, but they're generally fairly small. Nothing appreciable. Nothing, yeah. No 24-inch no diameter or anything like that. No heritage trees or anything like that. Are there any other questions on the update? Thank you very much. We appreciate your, your time in the update and discussion. Yeah, if you want public comment or, I mean, no, okay. Purely information for yes, us? Yes, yeah, it was. We Thank appreciate you. your comments for the planning commission. Thanks. Mr. Wisnowski, any miscellaneous staff items you'd like to address? I'd like to talk about the comprehensive plan. And as you know, um, Amy is managing that comprehensive plan mm -hmm. for the department, so I will let her update you. Okay, perfect. Thank you. I would ask her to update. Excuse me. <laughs> Terrible. Good night. Thank you. See you in February, maybe, okay? Do oh, yeah. you need anything? How do I do that? Oh, uh, hold on. Oh. Thanks. Nice job. Nice <clears> thing. <throat> I don't know how to do it that way. Okay. Just hit okay. this. Okay. Minimize that. Double click that. Just what, the public's not interested? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as the word comp plan, word comp plan come up, everybody scatters. We'll lead with that next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm typing in our new website. Which isn't coming up like I wanted to. A <laughs> <laughs> website. Let me do it here. Quack yes, quack. you're right. That's a great idea. I'll take you to that. Okay, so uh, I do have a lot of updates for you uh, about the uh, preparations and organization of outreach and um, uh, meetings that have been held and are being scheduled uh, to start the comp plan update. So the first and best news is we have a link on our page um, we have a 2020 comprehensive plan page, which takes us directly to the website that is being um, maintained by our consultants. Um, Smith Planning and Design, Jenny Smith and Michelle King are spearheading our update. 
So I want to show you, uh, navigate this website with you. One of the great things about this site is the very first window populates a an opportunity for citizens to input their email addresses so that we can compose a listserv and then send out email blasts to all vested and interested parties about um, meeting notices, about draft documents as they become available so that people aren't always having to go back to the site and monitor for updates. So anyone who is really keyed into the process will receive notices. Um, also, first and foremost, is a link to the online survey. We have paper surveys that are being provided around the community in, um, in the towns, libraries, our um, um, Maryland uh, Agricultural Extension Office here in town, in our department. And we have been, we've, in our department, we've collected about a dozen paper surveys so far. And the beauty is those paper surveys uh, will be inputted into a database, and the online surveys also will be inputted, and we'll end up getting some uh, good statistics as a result of the survey. So we have a plan overview, which explains some of the just basics of what this update truly is, um, because there's often confusion that this update is a land use ordinance and mapping update, and that isn't the case. This is just the first step. So that's helpful to put that information uh, first and foremost. The project timeline, which I have every confidence we are going to hold to this timeline uh, because our consultants are working very hard right now to make sure that's going to happen. Uh, this is where all of the, um, the meetings will be populated. You see that there are upcoming meetings noted here with uh, to be determined. We're determining those. So I wanted to let you know that uh, I wanted to let you know what meetings are scheduled. So for right now, um, we're going to update the county commissioners in this a very similar way to what I'm doing right now on the 28th of January. Um, but some other technical meetings are happening. Our technical committees, uh, we had a kickoff meeting that I told you about last month, but we're now starting to meet with individual departments, and those meetings are going to happen in February, on February 12th and 13th, where we're going to meet with house, the housing department, planning department, IT, and Department of Water and Wastewater to start getting... Uh, more specific information. Uh, that those two meet dates of days of meetings are scheduled around your meeting. So the uh, consultants are going to come to you for your first uh, workshop session, and that will be on February the thirteenth. So in addition to that, we are establishing community workshops right now. We're focusing on visioning sessions in communities that have um, community plans. So the Stevensville-Chester workshop has been determined and we're working on getting the notices out for that meeting, but that date will be the 6th of February, and you will get this information so you don't have to take vigorous notes. Um, the 6th of February from 4.30 to 6 at the Kent Island Library. Uh, um, the Kent Narrows meeting has been slated for the 5th of March from 5 to 6.30 at the Visitor Center 
And we're right now organizing the Graysonville meeting, which will be held at the Graysonville Community Center. We're looking at the 18th of March, and uh, probably from 4.30 to 6 for that meeting as well. Um, in addition, we're starting with um, some workgroup sessions that are focusing on economic development and um, so, um, economic growth and sustainable development. That's the official title of that work group. And those meetings are slated in uh, March, where we'll be meeting on the 24th and 25th with the Kentneros Development Foundation, with Economic Development Commission, Chamber of Commerce, uh, Business Queen Anne's, and um, we're still compiling invitations to those workshop sessions. So we are moving forward and really um, hitting the ground running. This website also is going to, as we go through these meetings and these processes and drafts are made available, we are going to be posting the drafts here for public comment. And you'll be hearing a lot about rezoning requests. And so I wanted to talk for a moment about that because uh, you might be approached um, about these rezoning requests. The county processes rezoning requests in two ways. Uh, one way is coming up, which is making things confusing for a lot of people. It, within the first 10 days of February, the county accepts applications for text and map amendments. These are specific to individual properties and property owners who have very specific requests and needs in mind. This is that advertised somewhere? No. I do not know. I don't. This is my first go around with no. that process. I don't think so. A lot of so why wouldn't why wouldn't it be? I mean, how do you expect? It's been part of the code. It's been there for fifteen years. And what what I'm experiencing since this is my first time dealing with this is that these dates are on a lot of people's radar. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't be promoted to other individuals and other residents. But a lot of the community members are keyed into these dates naturally because um, it's been very long, a very long-standing process. But your point's well taken. I'd explain that a rezoning request that may come in in the beginning of February would be a mistake or change request, not a comp plan update request. Right, right. So that's the next uh, that's the next type of um, rezoning that we're looking at. So comprehensive plan rezoning is meant to address significant changes in the community where through this visioning process the community brings to your attention or you already have awareness of um, growth pattern changes, characters in neighborhoods that have changed which are not, as uh, Chris just mentioned, changes or um, mapping errors and mistakes that lead to those individual requests and the individual zoning text amendments that you might see. The comprehensive rezoning is really meant to address the changes that are necessary to realize the, the new vision, the 2020 vision of the comprehensive plan. I know that seems nuanced and somewhat bureaucratic because we have these two separate types of reviews that are happening right now. It's not always a confusing endeavor. It's just it is because... Our kickoff for the comp plan update is coinciding, really, with the standard application for rezoning requests for the community. Um, and in that score, we're also working on an application form 
uh, for zoning requests because there hasn't been one in place, and so there hasn't been a real standardized uh, method for applicants to put forward their requests. So we're working on that. So you'll see that's a change that is coming that will hopefully will help to clarify what those differences are. So that's what I have for right now. If you have any questions for me or comments. Yeah, excuse me, Amy, Ms. Murdoch. Um, if you go up, if you would, to the top of the page maybe where you had the dates and the, yeah, right there on the, the community workshops, I'm completely assuming that there will be more of those as you move North County. Oh, yes. But if I were a Centerville resident or a Southersville resident, I would feel slighted looking at that far right column I slightly. I do. I, I, <laughs> to, to the designer or the, I guess the consultant mm-hmm. in this case point, if you have, you know, you have an awful lot of TBDs there, why not add those other just to reduce your phone calls volume <laughs> in the future, I think would be a, a suggestion to make to them. I think that there was a real push to um, take this website live and make it available. Um, and so that was probably premature to list community workshops that haven't been slated yet. But we'll definitely populate that sheet and also Well, the TBD, I think the general public will understand. Yeah. But, but by we'll, not listing yeah, we'll other localities, I think, will really infuriate some, some sure. people who are truly interested yeah. in, in it, the process. It gives you a feeling that we're not priority. Exactly. Okay. Thank and you. When I, and I... I I'm firmly in the you know the develop the department's camp here that that is not the intent. Right, no, it is um, not. It's, as a matter of fact, it's the opposite of that. I'm sure, but it, it sort of seems like half of a nod. Well, that's helpful. That's just helpful feedback because we're so deep in planning these meetings and making sure every information is in, is available. I think I'm maybe I'm in the forest and I can't see the trees. Right. So no, I appreciate that. So. Okay. Oh, so I want to circle back around to the public hearing question that you asked me. Uh, they haven't posted the schedule yet, but our hearing, the hearing on that uh, text amendment will be at 6.15 on the 14th of January. It's Tuesday. And where is that? Um, the commissioner's hearing room. Where is it? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, the commissioner's okay. hearing room oh, at commission. Liberty okay. Building. Downtown. They haven't taken over the courthouse. Huh? <laughs> they haven't taken over the courthouse. No, the courthouse has been, uh, the old courthouse is empty, vacant. Uh, nobody's decided what to do with it yet. No, I was thinking the new courthouse. Oh, no, I haven't taken over that one either yet. <laughs> Not enough room. <laughs> really? <laughs> <coughs> Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are there is this, any other? Is this the motion you're looking for? No. Uh, are there any other public comments? Anything from the commission? Motion for adjournment. Move. Second. 